0: Our first scripture reading in the morning is from the last chapter the book of Philippians, uh, Paul's letter, Church in Philippi. I'm actually splitting the passage into two, so we're gonna be first looking at uh, chapter four, verses four through nine. I invite you to follow along. Wonderful words of Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as you might have guessed by now, I'm talking about joy and when I think of joy on this Super Bowl Sunday, I just can't help but think of Super Bowl 42. It was between my beloved New York football giants and the evil empire, otherwise known as the, at the time, 18 and 0 New England Patriots. The giants were losing 14 to 10 with just over a minute to go in the game and they faced a third and long and then something happened something miraculous happened something completely unexpected happened but don't take my word for it take a look at what transpired on that february 3rd 2008 night in glendale arizona pressure from thomas off the edge eli manning stays on his feet airs it out down the field it is caught by Tyree inside the 25 and a timeout taken oh my gosh this ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player Harrison trying to knock it down and Eli man I don't know how he got out of there I thought he was on the ground and And then he came out of the pile and just slings it. That's a great catch by David Tyree. And now with 59 seconds left, the Giants needing a touchdown. The ball is at the New England 24. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground and not dropping it is David Tyree. Run that again, will you? <laughs> that would be awesome though, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, uh, a few plays later, the Giants were in the end zone and they won the game, 17 to 14. Because I wanna tell you, it was so exciting, it was so exhilarating, it was just pure joy. There was joy on the faces of the players, there was joy on the faces of the coaches, There was joy in the faces of the fans in the stands. And for me, there was an absolute ecstatic joy. Well, I'm closing out my sermon series today in the book of Philippians, and we're going to be talking about joy. And you heard me read earlier from the apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, as he begins this last part of his letter with the familiar word, rejoice. He writes, rejoice in the Lord always. So joy is this kind of reoccurring theme in the book of Philippians. In fact, Paul mentions joy or rejoicing 16 times in just four chapters. And so as we look at this last chapter in the book of Philippians, please join me as I continue to read from chapter four, Philippians chapter four, verses 10 through 13. Once again, I invite you to follow along on the screen. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. I can do all things through him, meaning Christ who strengthens me. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the revelation of yourself in Jesus Christ. In him, you lowered yourself to our level. But now, oh God, we pray that by your word, you would raise us up to your level that we might know your love and journey in your joy. To the glory of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. An important thing to remember right out of the chute is in this chapter and really for that matter the whole book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul writes about the subject of joy while chained to a Roman guard. The year is 61 AD. Now, several months earlier, the Apostle Paul had been in Jerusalem preaching when he had sort of roused up, he had sort of stirred the pot, and some enemies got wind of what he was doing, and they were upset because they believed that that Paul had defiled the Holy Temple by bringing some Gentiles into it. And so there was this mini riot, and then the Roman commander sort of stepped in and on Paul's behalf, put him in jail, sort of to protect him. And while Paul was in jail, Paul's nephew uncovers a plot to assassinate him in a conspiracy involving about 40 of his enemies. So apparently preaching the gospel has a steep price, especially if you have 40 people who don't like you very much. These enemies had vowed not to eat or drink until Paul was dead. Imagine they wanted Paul dead that badly. However, because the Roman commander had gotten tipped off to this assassination plot, he brought in 470 Roman soldiers. And so they lead this convoy and they usher Paul out of town in the middle of the night over to the seaport uh, town of Caesarea. And while there, Paul appears before Felix, who is the Roman governor. And then he goes before King Agrippa. Now, these were all sort of logistical steps in an appeal process that was available to Paul because he was a Roman citizen. And then he exercises his final appeal by going to Caesar directly himself. And so they put a 60-year-old Paul in shackles, place him on a ship, and then they send him off to Rome. Now, one of the things we know about the Apostle Paul is he's a far more sophisticated traveler than those Romans. And Paul even tried to persuade them from not going out onto the Mediterranean Sea in the middle of the winter, but they don't listen. And sure enough, that ship gets blitzed by a huge storm. And it's tossed this way and that way, and it gets off course until they land on the shore of Malta. Almost everybody on board drowns And then as they are traveling towards Rome, Paul, the prisoner, becomes Paul, the navigator, because he knows how to get that ship best to where it needs to go. But then they arrive in Rome, finally, and Paul is a prisoner in jail again. Now, we know that Paul is not the only person in the Bible to ever face tough times. In fact, if you look through God's Word and flip it open, you will see in page after page of people who had every reason in the world to be miserable, and yet there was something about them, maybe more importantly, something inside of them, as Paul wrote, a peace which surpasses all understanding. Let me ask you, can you say that about your own life? One way to find out is to ask yourself these questions. Are you laughing? less than you used to? Do you see problems in every promise? Do you assume that something bad is going to happen? Are you someone who ever waters down good news with doses of your own version of reality, at least what's in your mind? If so, a lot of that can be traced to a feeling of a lack of control. There was a team of uh, German researchers who found that a traffic jam, imagine that, a traffic jam increases your chances of a heart attack threefold. Apparently, gridlock is the ultimate loss of control. There's nowhere to go. You're just stuck in traffic with no place of escape. Well, after all that Paul has been through, (laughs) being in jail, almost drowning on board while the Medi- well, they are on the Mediterranean Sea. He ends up right back where he started, a prisoner in a Roman jail. And yet he picks up his pen and he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then later on in verse 10, which you just heard me read a few minutes ago, he says, I rejoice greatly. Now, I know we've talked about this before, but there is a big difference between joy and happiness. We probably all know people that, as Christians, feel that we should always be walking around with some kind of plastic smile on our face. There may have been people who have said to you, Well, no matter what, just smile, and for heaven's sake, don't act as if you've been baptized in lemon juice. In other words, turn up the sound on the radio in your car and sing to the rafters, that old Bobby McFerrin song, don't worry, be happy. You just need to know that that's not what the apostle Paul has in mind because we're not running for miscongeniality. Joy is really, really different from happiness. Happiness is what I might call a surface level emotion. It's how you feel when you get an unexpected compliment or positive feedback at work. Or you feel happy because someone you love has accomplished something good, or your team wins the big game. And friends, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all good things, and and they're meant for us to enjoy. But joy is something much deeper. Joy begins on the inside and then works its way out not the other way around. Joy is that deep level contentment we have, even when we are not necessarily happy. Like when our team doesn't win the big game, or our uh, good work goes unnoticed, or things just are not going our way. As I said, true Christian joy is not based on our circumstances. It's based on a savior the author philip kennison has said i just love this joy is the echo of god's life within us joy is the echo of god's life within us contagious infectious joy is the solid assurance that no matter what the circumstances going on in our life the good the bad and the scary we know that god is powerfully at work within us and in these situations. Remember what I said before, Paul sends this letter while he is in prison again. And I think the secret of Paul's joy was his ability to lift his gaze from the current circumstances of his life and then to see the hand of God moving in unexpected ways. Someone has said this, in the end, God gives us Everything we have ever hoped for, but nothing we ever expected. Here's Paul in prison, in chains, and he's watching all of his dreams come true. Now, why do I say that? I say that because earlier in Philippians chapter 1, which we talked about several weeks ago, this is what he wrote what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard that my imprisonment is for Christ and that most of the brothers and sisters dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Paul says the whole imperial guard is talking about Jesus Christ. Now the imperial guard was made up of 10,000 elite soldiers handpicked to protect Caesar. Caesar. Paul says all these elite soldiers are talking about Jesus there's these Bible studies popping up all over the place in the Imperial Guard in fact Paul ends the letter in Philippians by saying all the Saints greet you especially those from Caesar's household well now we understand why the Apostle Paul was filled with joy he understood that joy is a choice and it's a part of from our circumstances. I have to tell you, whenever I think of the circumstances of life, I'm reminded of the story of the guy who was out golfing with his buddies one day, and it was his turn to tee off, and he got his driver out, he dressed the ball, he brought the club back, and he swung, and he missed it completely. Well, maybe that's happened to you. I know it's happened to me, and you're kinda embarrassed in your red face, so what do you do? You look at your club, right? It must be the club. (laughs) You know, and you stretch a little bit because you got to loosen up and try to settle those nerves. So got that ball in. He swung and he missed. This time he said he was going to do something different. So he got into this like Zen-like state, you know, envisioned in his mind the perfect golf swing. And so he addressed the ball, brought his club back, swung. He missed it completely. Third time. Turned around, looked at his friends, said, wow, Tough course. <laughs> Here's what you need to know. As Christians, we play the same course in life as everybody else. We do not necessarily get to choose the terrain in which we play the game. And let's be honest. We're gonna face the same sand traps and water hazards as other people are also gonna face On the course of life, and we probably all know people who have double bogeyed and triple bogeyed, whether it be in their families or their marriages or their jobs. But Friend, there's one thing that you can choose. You can choose your stance. You can choose your attitude and how to address the situation. In which you find yourself and you can choose joy. And then the apostle Paul sort of pivots in this passage and he writes something to help us experience that joy. He said, there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. So here we have in the middle of this passage, a commandment about being content. In other words, God wants us to be thankful for what we have. I love the story that uh, the late Dodger manager Tommy Lasorda tells about him sitting in his kitchen when he was a little boy and his mother giving him a can of carnation milk. And he picked it up and he started to read the label and the ingredients on the side of the can. And on the side of the can was the saying, contented cows give better milk. (laughs) You know, I think that's true. Because unhappy people are restless, never satisfied, discontent, always craving something more or something else. But if we are content with who we are and what we have, then we will experience a joy in our lives and be able to give a better account of ourselves in life. And then the apostle Paul sort of shares his secret sauce. He says with joy in his heart, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And friends, the only place where we will find lasting content is in God himself. And as you and I turn to God again and again and again and again, God begins to shape our desires so that what we most desire is him. The Great Scottish preacher Thomas Chalmers called it the expulsive power of a new affection isn't it wonderful that our worth is not tied up in what we have or don't have but our worth is in Jesus Christ who loved us enough to go to the cross for you and me Jesus Christ is the one who gives our lives worth value and meaning I always find it interesting as to how people will sign off their letters you know letters that they send notes that they write and you know, you've seen these, some are very plain and they'll finish with sincerely or, or with thanks or warmest regards, best wishes, yours truly. Sometimes you get a, a couple that are religious, you know, faithfully yours in Christ. One minister I know finishes his letter with in his grip. I love that. I came across one that I really liked though. It's very plain. All it says is joyfully joyfully friends as we think about our own lives may we journey into 2024 under the joy of our lord jesus christ and may all of you rejoice always in the lord would you join me in prayer let us pray lord god we thank you for engrafting us into your family where we discover joy together. Teach us this week, throughout the season of Lent, and this year to find ways to live out our joy, to experience a joy in you, and to bring that joy with an exuberance that is infectious with other people. God, I I just want to thank you for this congregation's joy, without which we would not be who we are. And we praise you for the vast outpouring of faith and love from a people here who rejoice in you always. And finally, we pray that you would fill all our hearts with joy until it overflows. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.